you saw some of the clips um, that we're, uh, we're going through here. We've been using these uh, movies to just bring up themes and then discuss God's Word on those themes. So, uh, Pastor Dan will be returning next week. Uh, this is my fault. i got to fix this. Done. Is that better? Did I ruin it? That's good. Okay. Uh, Pastor Dan is going to be returning next week uh, to launch a series called I Pray. And uh, if you've been attending Springbrook for a year or more, you've got to be saying to yourself, man, they talk about prayer a lot. And I said, that's good. When you read through the Bible and you read through the great leaders, those, those men and women are begging the people that follow them to seek the Lord in prayer and to come before Him. And so we're going to do that. And I pray that you would come and say, you know what, I may have heard about prayer before, but God, I want to learn something new. I want to go deeper. I want to, I want to, I want to experience you more in prayer. And so we're ready to encourage you and challenge you to do that. So uh, I invite you to come next week to that. Now, let's get into today's message. Um, it is uh, one that I begged for. I actually begged for both of these movies. Uh, when we were putting them together, I was so excited when they told me Lincoln. I love Lincoln. We did that last week. But uh, I also like today's. I asked for this. I requested it. Um, it's the movie Brave. Now, I love this movie. Uh, I'm a youth pastor and the whole idea behind it is parent-teen conflict, and hello, welcome to my life. And so uh, that's where it's at. And the other thing I like about it is that it's Scottish. And I love doing a Scottish accent. I, I probably could preach the whole message with a Scottish accent, but my wife said, you've got 30 seconds and you're going to get annoying, so my time is up. So, uh, <laughs> thanks. So, um, wow, clapping for my accent. I'm going to do that more. Um, so this movie is about a relationship uh, in a royal Scottish family. Uh, and it's about a queen and her daughter. The queen has arranged for the firstborn suitors of the clans of their nation to come together and compete for the princess's heart in marriage. Merida... The princess has no intention of going along with the plan. So, she uh, was given a art of bow when she was a child. And uh, I'm going to do this again and hope that it goes even better. Okay. Um, she selects archery as the competition and, and uses a bow that she's had from birth to, to you know, break into the competition, beat all of her suitors and declare that she has won her own hand in marriage. Obviously, this is going to cause a problem. Um, it causes an uproar. She says, I'm not going to marry these goony guys. I'm on my own. Thank you very much. I'll see you all later. And uh, the clip that we have today is between the, the queen and the princess. And it is their first time to discuss this privately after Princess Merida's rebellion. Here it is. You embarrassed them. You embarrassed me. I followed the you rules. You don't know what you've done. <laughs> I don't It'll be care fire and sword if it's not set right. Just listen. I 
the queen. You listen to me. Oh, this is so unfair. <laughs> unfair? You're never there for me. This whole marriage is what you want. Do you ever bother to ask what I want? No. You walk around telling me what to do, what not to do, trying to make me be like you. Well, I'm not going to be like you. Oh, you're acting like a child. And you're a beast. That's what you are. Merida. <gasps> I'll never be like no, you. stop that. I'd rather die than be like you. <gasps> You are a princess, and I expect you Mom. to act like one. just watched one minute 25 seconds one relationship destroyed in one minute and 25 seconds has anybody seen that happen in their own life in a very short amount of time you think you have control of the situation and things are going to go the way you want and you're going to get your way and a minute and 25 seconds later stuff is on fire Right? In a minute and 25 seconds, they break as many therapeutic rules as I can think of. Okay? So let me just go through some of them. They lose self-control of their tongues. They use exaggerations. Their volume level increases to the point of yelling. The daughter brandishes a weapon. They use generalities like, you always and you never. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay? Uh, the vent up, they, they vent this uh, pent-up frustration that they have with each other, and they provide no context for it, right? They just kind of lay it on. It all explodes on them. They get critical of each other, and they become preachy and insensitive. Each person assumes the worst intentions of the other. Each one attacks the other person's motive and very character. They end the fight with insults and name-calling and the slashing and burning of personal belongings. One minute, 25 seconds. A knockdown, knockdown, drag-out battle for control, and both sides end up losing, don't they? After this, Mara, Merida jumps on this really cool giant Clydesdale horse and rides off into the country, makes a deal with a witch to regain control over her mother and ends up regretting it profoundly. That's a great clip. And why does it... Why did the, the Disney uh, company and the writers and producers and artists put that very discouraging, depressing, uninspiring one minute and 25 second clip into that movie. Because it connects with us. 
a lot of that is reality to us. Is anybody in this room willing to admit that they have violated some of those therapeutic rules that I talked about before? Yep. It happens to us all. And it it happens everywhere. And and I've, I've been a youth pastor now. This past summer, I celebrated my 15th year as a youth pastor. And... Uh, And I got to say that most of the phone calls are not, hey, Justin, everything's fine. Just thought you should know. Everything's good, right? That's just not in my job. That may happen once, ever. Most of it is, our family's on fire. You know, somebody's on the roof. You know, there's all these different things that are going on. And I get to be involved in conflict and family conflict and a lot of times I'm there for marriage conflict. And why do I keep doing this? It's, well, it's a chance to oper- it's an opportunity to watch Jesus bring healing. And today I want this message to be a bit of a training thing uh, for you and, and how to interact with your family members, your children, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, those that you're close to. I want it to be a training session for that. And I want to kind of give you a, a mindset of how I help people move through conflict. And I didn't come up with these ideas on my own. They were taught to me, and they're found in God's Word. And so I pray that as we get into this, uh, you really dig in. Now, the truth is, we could spend weeks and weeks on this topic. You can go get a doctorate in conflict resolution, can't you? You can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that. We could be here a very long time, right? And every, all of you are praying, please don't let us be here a very long time. No. Uh, and many of you are in companies or corporations where they hire conflict negotiators. Anybody been there? Or conflict resolution specialists? or have people in their HR department permanently assigned to that job, I want to tell you, that is money well spent. Right? Because conflict is everywhere, and a house divided against itself cannot stand. Jesus says that a family divided against itself breaks apart. And so knowing how to handle conflict is really important. And I just want to make three pretty detailed points that I use in, uh, in dealing with conflict. So, what are they? That's, that's where we're going to go. Well, um, when I'm called into a conflict situation, whether it be family or peers or, um, or parents or even uh, a marriage situation, um, I do three things. They're this. First one is establish Christ as the victory. Right? Establish what Christ says to be about true. His character, His way, His plan. That's the plan, is to put Him at the center of this conflict and make Him the boss and say, everyone else is going to lose and He is going to win. Right? And so, uh, so that's the way it goes. Second thing is, I structure the communication when I walk in. And I'll explain that in a little bit. And then the third thing we do is draw out hurt. Pull it out of the situation and let Jesus deal with it. And so, um, 
Those are the three things that we're going to go through here quickly. Let's pray together before we begin. Lord Jesus, um, we live in a broken world. We're a part of broken families. We have broken relationships. And it's all because of conflict. A battle for control. There's a disapproval out there. There's, There's wounding. All those things cause these conflicts. God, we pray that you would give us some wisdom today from your word that helps us become better at conflict and more self-controlled when we get involved in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, topic one. Establish Christ as the victory. Now, some of you are like, what does that mean? And so... um, Here's kind of how it works out when I get called into a situation. As a pastor, I walk into the room, and the people in the room are all of a sudden very much aware of how much they are not like Jesus or have not been like Jesus and how much their behavior needs to change. Has anybody had a pastor walk into the room and be like, oh, we need to change the topic? Yeah, Tiberia, you're like, no, there it is. I'm just kidding. I like to pick on them. Um, It does happen all the time, right? And so when I walk into the room, I don't fight that. I'm cool with that. That's that's great. And so I I want Christ to be lifted up, right? I want people to be aware of Christ's likeness in this situation. I want Him to be glorified in that. And so they know that I'm going to expect that, that if they show unchristlike behavior, I'm going to be like, I am calling a stop and ceasing that behavior, right? I kind of come in and I set it up for, for, for Christ's victory. Am I making sense? Okay, so um, I expect each person to pursue what Jesus wants and act in a way that Jesus approves of. So i got a verse here that kind of alludes to that. Romans 15, 5 and 6. May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Jesus Christ. So if there's no harmony, we lift up Jesus, right? And we say, He wins. I'm not going to win person I'm arguing with is not going to win. We don't care who wins except Jesus. Because when He wins, everybody wins. Amen? So I pray that that's the first thing that you do. Walk in declaring that Jesus will be the the victor and that everyone else is going to surrender the victory to Him, especially you. Right? Right? You first. Now, this is not as easy when I'm the one in the argument. Right? And I recognize this is hard to do. Because all of a sudden, you're taking all this control and this justification and this vengeance and this sinfulness that you have on this situation. You'll be like, here you go. And that's not easy. And... Valerie, wherever you are, I'm sorry. I don't always do that. I'm sorry, rarely. And, and I'm blessed when God calls me and speaks to me in that moment when I'm upset and says, Justin, 
give me the ball. I get control of this game, right? And so uh, that's it for step one. Step one, done. Woo! On to step two. This is the part where uh, we talk about uh, the process of the structure of communication, right? And so uh, in college, I had this thing called a post-term class. And my professors decided that all youth ministry majors will be required to take a class called Interpersonal Communication and Relationships. And I was like, oh, yay. Everybody knows how to do this, right? Everybody knows how to have... I'm a very popular guy. I make friends really easy. I had so much arrogance oozing out of me. It was gross. I got into this class. And they studied the process of communication. And they made us sit there for three hours a day and talk to each other and evaluate and watch how people do things and watch videos about how people communicate and argue and, and all these things. And, and I thought, whoa, I have not been paying attention in all of my life. And these people have studied it and they know... And then they would make me go home, go back to my dorm room and write papers for four hours on it and come back the next day and do the same thing and the same thing and over and over and over. And they drilled it into me. And i gotta, I, I got to say, it was the most valuable class I have ever taken. Two years later, my wife took the same class. She says it is the most valuable class she has ever taken. And ever since we both took that class, we've had a perfect marriage and never fought. (laughs) Not true. But we've had some tools to help us fight well. Right? And fight a little bit more fair. And so that structure of communication is usually lost in conflict. There's a whole process and goal, and most of us think we're applying it all the time, but when you watch conflict arise in a family, it's like everybody jumps the communication ship. They're overboard. Oh, we're out. Let's brawl. And rather than communicating, they're both expressing at each other, or everyone's expressing how they feel at each other. And it's like a bunch of people get into a room and they turn on fire hoses and just spray each other. Right? And there's not a give and take. There's not a listen and response. It's just expression. You said that now. Express on you. And it's just a hose down festival. Right? And it doesn't go well, and everybody ends up soaked and wet and frustrated. Right? And so that is not the goal of communication. What we're about to go over will seem very basic, and you're going to be like, I already know all this. This is fairly obvious. And I would say, yeah, it's going to be that way. But as I observe human behavior, and as I've studied and watched people communicate and go through conflict, this is the ball we drop when we get in an argument and conflict arises. And so that is the time to know the process and to walk through it. And so what I do when people are in conflict is I, I force them to walk through the process of communication. And so let's go through that pretty pretty quickly here. First, let's start with the goal of communication is not to express. 
right? And owes everybody. It's, it's not to just get it all out there and let it. It's, it's to be first to understand what the other person is saying and how they feel and what has affected them and how they kind of go through their life and have experienced things. To understand. And then the second goal of it is to be understood. So you're not just expressing and saying how you feel. and You're actually carefully trying to understand and you're presenting yourself so that you're understood. And when that becomes your goal, everything has to slow down. Right? And so that's the real, the real process here. And so let's go through kind of the five points of the communication process. And the professionals say this, that uh, uh, communication is a process by which a message is first generated with intent to be understood, second, conveyed in a way that is loving and constructive, third, interpreted without taking offense, fourth, verified, to show that you have listened and understood. Now, this is the one in conflict. This is the first one that gets dropped. Is verifying that you understand the other person and convey that to them so that they feel listened to and heard. Isn't that the first ball that gets dropped? Usually it's just, no, I'm expressing back at you. So that is an important part. That's probably the one that, if you say that there's one process that I need to work on, I would say 90% of us need to work on that one. And so I'll explain a little bit more about that. And the last one is address everything that is brought up. Address what has been communicated to you in that message. Right? Because most people, they listen to you, and then they have their own points because they're too busy expressing. Make sense? And so... Do you see how this whole process gets dropped when we start to get a little bit hot-tempered or try and win and try and take control of a situation rather than admitting that Jesus is in control? So let's say you recognize, uh-oh, conflict has started, right? I, uh, the, the emotional temperature of the room is starting to go up or we are not connecting or there is a distance that's created between me and another person because of some hurt and we need to talk about it, where do you begin? And I listed it as if, you know, some, at the beginning a message is generated, right? Well, I looked in Scripture and it says, don't start with talking, right? Do not start with talking. And so here's the verse, Proverbs 18:13. One who answers before listening, that is folly and shame. Whoa, that's some pretty harsh language for talking first. Don't be that person, right? Just, just say, okay, well, things are getting hot. It's time for me to not take control, not to express myself, but to listen. Calm down. Resist the urge to take control. Stop planning your response. Is anybody guilty? I know you're talking, but I'm already getting ready to say, I got something to say about what you just said, right? That's the way it is. Stop it. Stop concentrating on how offended you are by what they are saying. 
Here's a scripture for that one. It's Proverbs 12:16. A fool shows annoyance at once. So if you show how annoyed you are right off the bat, you're called, well, I'll just let Scripture say it to you. But a prudent person overlooks an insult. Right? And so you just got to, if they're insulting you, you just got to let it roll. Let, try and understand why they're being so insulting. Right? And, and what is it that's causing the problems? Right? Focus on the person. Show body language that indicates you are listening. Now I'm going to have to do some visual illustration here. Okay? Is this an opened or closed stance? What about this? Or this? Or this? These are all showing that you're not listening anymore, that you have switched to battle mode. Right? Or this. Right? Open is... Right? Open. Open stance. When you're arguing with someone and they go from this to... It changes everything. Right? And so you're switching modes on, and they're like, wait a minute, I thought we were fighting, and now you are doing this whole, like, I like your stance? Who took control here? Right? Something happens. Jesus takes control when you change to a loving stance. Right? Try it one time. It'll freak people out. Consider their perspective and experience, what they've been through. Think about who they are and the stress they're under and the trials they endure. Make it about them and serving them even though they're being offensive. Next thing here is really important. Assume the best interpretation. Most of us do not do this. Right? Most of us assume the worst. Are you saying or implying that I am such and such and so? Assume that people say the worst but mean the best. Life goes much better that way. I promise. You know, when, when my wife says, somebody said this to you, and I was like, oh, I didn't take it that way. Take it the best way possible. Assume their intentions were only to build you up. It may not be true, but I'd rather live in a happy place. Wouldn't you? You know, rather than having my self-esteem destroyed all the time, which happens when you work with junior hires. So... Then, take mental notes of what they have said. All right, they said this. Start reviewing in their head. And then, if it's a really intense conflict, take out a sheet of paper and start writing down what they say. Your whole attention becomes about receiving what they're doing, right? And it freaks the other person out again, right? My wife does this. I do this. The one person that does this more than anybody I know, Pastor Dan. When he's listening to you, he will pull something out and start typing what you say, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Whoa, what's going on here? Is there accountability for what I'm about to say? Has Jesus taken over control? What is happening, right? And, and I get a little freaked out, i got to admit, because I say some crazy things and he writes them down. Right? And my, I say some crazy things to my wife, and she writes them down. Right? But it's not to use against you. 
Right? It's not to use against the person. It's to take note what they've said and acknowledge that you are listening and hearing and receiving and processing what they say without generating your response. Right? And so that's a, a high goal right there. And, and the last thing I would say is this. Be ready to paraphrase what they are saying to you. Get ready to say back to them what you're hearing. Right? And that initiates the next phase, which is where you actually do that, is the verification process. When it's, turn, it's your turn to speak, I, wanna, I want you to take note of something. When it's your turn, you've switched to listening mode, you've opened your stance, you're concerned, you're taking note. It's changed everything. And this time, you do something what I call, and it's really hard to understand, but lower the volume. Lower the volume. Does anybody come from an Italian family? You know what I'm saying. You guys have learned to cope with loud volume, haven't you? Right? It's not just Italians, though. I'm not being racist or anything like that. I just recognize among my Italian friends, they talk about how loud their family is, right? There's a lot of yelling, and I have neighbors who are Italians, and I hear them, right? And so, but I have loud Irish relatives. It's not, so I'm not picking on any group, but you've got to lower the volume. And here's why. Scientists have studied the human brain when someone starts yelling. And it changes when it gets above a certain decibel level. And when you start yelling at someone, the logic center and reasoning center of their brain shuts down. And guess what happens? They say that the area of their brain that is flight or fight fires up. And so what that means is that the person is going to take one of two options when you start yelling. First one is they will flee. They will say anything that they have to, truth or not. They will not express their feelings. They will say whatever they can to get out of this situation. Teenagers, are you guilty? Parents, are you guilty too? Come on now. Right? We're guilty. We'll say, ah, you know, spouses, are you guilty? I'm just going to say whatever keeps the peace. Right? Because your, your flight response has been activated and you are choosing to run from the conflict. So don't yell. Try not to, I should say. The next thing here is you could also trigger a fight response, which is very likely. A fight response is no logic. It just means hurt back. Right? So they're not thinking logically, trying to process through this with you. That area of their brain is shut down now because yelling has started. And you there instead is wound my enemy. And words are the weapon, usually. Sometimes they're swords cutting through things like we saw in the video and burning things, but generally it's hurt them. And so just be careful and lower the volume. And then share what you've understood. Paraphrase what they've said, just like we talked about. Ask them, before you start with your response, ask them, do you feel like I've listened? Do I understand what you've said? You're verifying, right? And this takes the temperature of the room down and Jesus 
takes, you're given more control, right? And so, I've never won an argument by getting louder. Has anybody? You might win, but you'll lose. So, be careful with that. Then, prepare to respond to what they have said before you initiate what you want to say. Right? So, this is how the process works. It says this, Proverbs 15.1, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So as you begin, say, all right, let's, let's go to gentleness mode, right? Let's go to tenderness mode. Let's go to empathy and kindness, right? Address each issue they raised. Bring out your notes if you need to. First, I want to talk about this. I'm really sorry. Apologize as quickly as possible with his, the greatest amount of humility, right? Put on Christ-likeness, right? And, and, and he doesn't have to ask for forgiveness, but you do. And you should apologize for as much of the problem as you possibly can, as quickly as you can, so you diffuse what's going on in them and Jesus can begin helping them forgive, right? And so apologize as quickly as you can. Show empathy for their feelings. And once you've done that, once they feel like they've listened, been listened to, what they've brought up has been addressed. It's probably been an hour now that has passed, right? I mean, it feels like it. But now you get the chance to generate your own message. And remember that the goal of communication is to help them understand, not express how you feel. Help them understand. Psalm 141.3 Lord, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. This would be a good moment to pause and think about what you're about to say. And that is okay, because usually in a conversation, it's machine gun fire, right? Pause. Think. Slow down. This also might be a good time to initiate the first steps of affection. And you're like, wait a minute. We're fighting. We're not supposed to touch. Right? And this is a good time to put your hand across the table and hold it. Right? And if that's not possible, just touch. Get somewhere. You might make them more mad, but it's worth the risk of a lot of times. Try and figure out a good time to show some affection. You know, tap their fingers. Do something. Why do I say that? There's this company named Apple. Have you heard of it? How many of you have one of their phones in your pocket, right? Okay. What are they, the, have you walked into an Apple store, anybody? What do they want you to do? Buy stuff so they make you touch it. Because touch creates bond. And the more you touch and, and, and give intelligent thought to engaging with their product, the more likely you are to buy it for a higher price. That's scientifically proven. The more they touch it, the more they'll pay. And so Apple has it all on this, go ahead, put your fingers all over it, run, feel the sleek design of it, right? Touch is important. That's why communication and conflict face-to-face is really good. You can just, real quick, and they might go, hmm, but then it does something, right? It just lets a, it just kind of shows you love. And then as you begin to give your message, ask yourself, is this carefully wrapped in love? 
Is it respectful, teenagers? Is it respectful? Right? Parents, same question. Is it respectful? Does it give respect and does it build them? Right? Is it gracious and merciful? Because if Jesus is in charge, respect and grace and mercy abound. The last thing is transfer the message, right? So, beware of your body language, right? Again, when you start conveying, do not close your fists. Do not point them. Do not make swords, you know. Do not threaten karate chops, you know. Open, you know, be available. Does that that make sense? Um, And then watch how it's being received. Beware of their body language. Did they close up? Did they raise an eyebrow? Did they, did they furrow? Did they, you know, and, and observe how what you're saying is affecting them and pause when you see that and rethink the situation and be careful how you say it because the transfer, the, 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 inform, the communication process is now restarting. Right? We're back to the beginning, aren't we? And now it is their job to interpret what you're saying. And the goal is their understanding, not your expression. So, I use that cycle of communication when those people come into my office or come into my house or I meet them on, at, you know, at a restaurant or something and there's a conflict. And I push through that. Will you please verify what you just heard? Okay, well, I heard you say this, this, and this. Is that what you think they needed to know about you? Well, I mean, then they'll make an adjustment. Will you kind of confirm that? And I go back and forth, and I walk them through that process. And it takes a long time, and it is slow, and people start to get annoyed with me. And I don't care. Right? And I pray that you slow down as well and take the time and talk through it and be careful and um, give the control of the situation over to Jesus. So we're done with point two. That was the longest point of the message. You know the structure of the process now. Hopefully you took some notes and you can bring it home and next time you get in a fight, go, oh, hold on. Got to go get this thing I got on the fridge. I'm listening. You know, okay, that's annoying, but don't do that, right? But you, you bring out, get ready to do that process. Jesus, you're in charge. Right? Now, I did tell you stuff you already knew, didn't I? You already knew it. Most of this message, you already knew. But what I see in this world today is a failure to apply when we get in a fight. You know this is the best way. Teenagers, you know this is the best way to communicate with your parents. Right? Parents, you know that this is the best way to communicate with your teenagers. You know this is the best way to communicate parents with your older parents, with people that you have broken relationships with, right? And so the last point uh, is this. Draw out the hurt. Draw out the hurt. Don't leave stuff below the surface. Conflict under Christ is good for you. Right? Get face-to-face with people Slow down. Turn off the television. This world is going way too fast. 
for us to act like Jesus as much as we could. So slow down. Did you know that God has given you 40, at least 43 muscles in your face to convey expression? Some of you have up to maybe like 67, I hear. Some of you have more. My wife has a lot. She is really entertaining to watch. As I tell her, man, I married, you know, when I married you, I, I just, you're so engaging because of all the expressions. It's wonderful. God made us beautifully complex and gave us an ability to look at each other and communicate. So I want to give some warnings. You pick up one of these, you know what I'm talking about, a phone, you lost 60%, 40 to 60% of your ability to communicate well on an emotional level. You start doing this, you're down, you lost 80%. These are not ideal circumstances to navigate conflict. Posting on the Internet. Not an ideal way to navigate conflict. Writing an upset email to a loved one. My suggestion is do not send it. Print it out and go see them. And don't let them see the dumb things you have written that have no expression on them, right? They're just raw content. It's dangerous. Use everything you've got to communicate that message because once you say it in the email and they start to get off track, it's all downhill from there. Everything is seen in negative light and an offense is taken when it isn't even offered, right? They don't see everything in the best light. So, when it ever possible, at all times, get face-to-face, open stances, low volume. I mean, that's there it is, isn't it? So, teenagers do not break up over text messaging. Do not resolve conflict. At least hit the dial button. Right? Parents don't say, (laughs) if they start sending angry texts at you, reply, call me. Or, I'll pick you up soon. Right? You don't have to continue because it may it is a dangerous... You're crippled. Look at it that way. You cannot do this the way God intends for you to do that. You're crippled emotionally to communicate. Right? So, the communication process is slow-paced, requires a great deal of attention, and our modern world has sped us up too much. Let's slow down. That brings me to the last point, which is that draw out the hurt. Draw it out. Many of us in this congregation are sitting right next to someone we have conflict with. So give it to Jesus. Bring it out. Walk through a nice, slow, Christ-centered communication process paying attention to how the strategy of it works and how it lays out and talk it through and take the time. Right? Bring it out. And if you need help, get it. I'm going to get a little personal here. I'm a pastor. 
I was raised in a wonderful Christian home by parents who do marriage counseling and navigate conflict. I have to, I have to spend perfectly good money to go to therapy, to get counseling. I highly suggest you do the same. When I talk to Pastor Dan, he's like, why don't people make this a priority? It is, it'll do so much more than Disneyland. It'll do so much more than a good car, a new car. It'll do much, much better than a great leisure activity. It is the best way to spend money is to get really good help navigating conflict and drawing out the hurt. So please, make a budget item. Saving for therapy. It's a good thing to do. Marriage conference, right? Parent-teen conference. You know? Uh, all these... And then also, therapy, counselor, marriage counseling. If someone suggests to you that... You go to counseling, that is not saying you're weak and screwed up. You are, but they're not actually saying that, right? They're saying we need help. And if you're wise, and if you're humble and strong and brave, funny title, huh? Brave, you can, you can do it. I... I I think it's a fantastic idea. It will bless your life more than all the other stuff, than the next television program, the next, you know, motorcycle, whatever it is you use to make you think that you're going to be happier. Spend it on getting help loving each other and getting that conflict out. With that, let's close in prayer. Lord, we give You ourselves and we give You control over our relationships with other people. And we admit that we surrender the victory to You. We don't want to win anymore. We want You to win. God, help us walk through the process slow because it's so important and so valuable and so precious. And God, help us to be brave enough to draw up the hurt. God, I pray that each person here today is given at least one tool to go into their world and to, to resolve conflict by the power of Jesus Christ and the way that He works by the power of His Spirit. God, help us to be wise and ask for help because all of us need it. We offer all this up to You, our lives, our conflict, our relationships, our time, and say, be the king, be the victor. It's in your name we pray. Amen.